Hey, do you have a relative that's kind of crazy? <laughs> I do. You know, that, that crazy uncle that you never know what you can expect for him or what, him, what for him to say. You might ask him a question and he responds in unexpected ways. He is unpredictable and it makes you nervous being in the same room with him. Imagine how the apostles felt. They never knew what Jesus would do. He was always surprising. Them. Like the time when he told him, is that my crazy uncle over there? <laughs> like the time when he told him he would go to Jerusalem and be tortured and killed, or when he talk with a Samaritan woman at the well, or when he asked tough questions like, who do you say that I am? Jesus did not always, what did not always do the expected, and what he did was often dangerous, especially when he challenged the authorities of the day. And today, Today's gospel is one of those times. In order to be fully understand what's going on here, we have to go back up in a few verses uh, in the chapter. It says, Jesus asked his disciples to go to Jerusalem and use a man's donkey, and he proceeds to ride into Jerusalem, being hailed as the king of the Messiah, the King of the Jews, and the crowds yelling, Hosanna, which means, please save us. And then he goes in the temple and makes a whip and chases out the money changers and the animal merchants. And then the people come to him to be cured of their many diseases. After all, he is understandably hungry. And when he comes to a fig tree without fruit, he says, Be barren, you tree. And it withers before the eyes of his followers. Busy day, busy day. The next day, our unpredictable Savior dares to go into the temple and to teach, where the elders of the temple request an interview with him. Now, you might say, okay, that's a normal thing to do, but, um, and even Dr. Phil, he was uh, asked if he could interview anybody in the world, who would he interview? He said he would interview Jesus and ask him, ah, what's the meaning of life? But if he really understood today's gospel, I doubt he would want to interview Jesus. As the temple elders found out, asking Jesus a question did not always get the answer you might expect. Jesus was very clever and he knew how to turn things upside down over and against his adversaries. The elders wanted to know from where did Jesus get his authority to do these things. 
those things that we just talked about. They had seen him come into the temple and rout the people out, claiming claimed um, he was turning into his, they were turning his house into a den of robbers instead of a house of prayer. And they'd seen him cure the sick when people had come to him, and they had probably heard that he commanded that fig tree to wither. Being the keepers of the temple and the interpreters of the Jewish law, these elders had every right to ask these questions. That is why his answer really caught them off guard. Actually, it wasn't really an answer. It, it was a question. It says, was the baptism of John from God or from human people? The elders, being politically astute, chose that they say, they, I don't know the answer. It was a damned if you do and damned if you don't situation for them. They acknowledged that the baptism was from God. They would be confessing to ignoring John's or God's call to them to change their lives. If they said it was from man, many people that had committed to the change, the changing their lives, would have been upset with him because they considered John a prophet. So they chose to say, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Jesus' parable about the two sons was another example of the crazy uncle saying something that would get him into trouble. It was a direct affront to their authority as the keepers and interpreters of God's laws given in the Torah. It was Jesus at his best speaking truth to the powers. The elders would have known the answer that baptism was the call to change their lives was from God, but they chose to ignore, chose to ignore it. They were like the second son pretending to follow God's laws while refusing to repent and amend their lives. When Jesus cleansed the temple of the money changers and the animal merchants, he did so in protest of these traditions that were legislated by the elders to provide a path to forgiveness. Now, they're not in the 629 laws in Deuteronomy. The money changers charged a fee to change Roman money into temple money. The animals merchants sold doves and lambs and other animals necessary for the temple sacrifice as an atonement for sins. But none of those requirements are in the 629 laws. Jesus and Jesus' message was that God's forgiveness is a gift. And did not require sacrificial atonement. These temple regulations were standing between the people and God's free gift of forgiveness. So one can compare the practice of the temple elders to the medieval practice of the Roman church in selling indulgences. The medieval church believed 
that it was the repository of all grace. And the saints, the saints had not used up, and they, they could sell it to sinners like you and me to buy our way out of hell or for a shorter sentence in purgatory. The problem with that is that the gift of grace is free. And the only source of grace is God. The practice of selling indulgences gave cause to Martin Luther to push for the reform of the church. I wish our leaders that claimed to follow Christ, who refused to follow Christ's examples of taking care of the poor, who refused to make the wealthiest of Americans pay their fair share of the nation's tax burdens while cutting benefits to the poor, causing the rich to get richer and the poorest to get poorer. And, and to that point, CNN reported this week that the Federal Reserve found that now that 1% of the America, of, of the the richest people in America, 1% of the population, holds 38.6% of the wealth of the nation. I see these politicians in the light of the second son and the temple, temple elders claiming to be righteous while refusing to change their lives and believe in and follow Jesus. My New Testament professor translated the last verse of today's gospel like this. Jesus came to you with the praxis of righteousness, and you did not believe him. The toll collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And you, even though you saw this, have not repented. So you might at, at least believe him so you might at last believe him it's not enough for someone to say they would follow Jesus a person must walk the walk and actually put into practice what they claim to believe and amend their life there is no evidence that the toll collectors and the prostitutes quit their jobs for most of them did what they did for a living, not as a choice, but as a necessity. However, they began to respond to Jesus' call to love God and their neighbors as themselves. And this is more than the temple elders did. So it's never too late to change our lives. Nowhere in today's reading or anywhere in the gospel do we find Jesus telling us it's too late to amend our lives and follow Jesus. We do not know what the elders eventually did, but it's never too late for them either. In our own lives, we do we really follow that crazy Uncle Jesus? Do we put into practice what we have been learning for many years, what we hear when we listen to the Gospels telling and calling us to treat others 
as we would like to be treated or as Jesus treated us? Do we speak out when we see injustice being done? Do we love one another as God loves us? Do we speak out by supporting and voting for leaders that actually practice the love of Jesus? And I have a question for you. How many people love this church? And I've only been here five weeks. I think it's a wonderful church. Um, So I'm going to ask you now to take action. And, And the action is to take those pledge cards that you got in the mail last week and generously and pledge with a generous attitude of gratitude that truly express your level of love for this church. And that's all I'm going to say about stewardship. And I want to leave you with this thought. Paul Tillich, the 20th century theologian, spoke of the eternal now. And David Lowe, in his preaching column this week, defines this term this way. Each moment is pregnant with a possibility of receiving God's grace, repenting of things we've done or were done to us, returning to right relationship with God and those around us, and receiving the future as open rather than determined. Amen.